Welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts as usual. My name is Jeff. Joining me as always from the sick bay in the Pacific Northwest <laughs> is my co-host Mark A. Johnston. Mark, I hear you're you're not feeling too well today. I'm a, I'm a little under the weather, but it's never too much to look at a little baseball history, you know what I mean? Mark is drugged up more than usual today, so we'll see how that goes. Right, but. exactly. I've taken double everything, so we'll see if I can keep up. This is a seminal show, though. There was no way you were going to miss is. show number 100 of Two Strike Noise. That's right. We have gone into three digits. Triple digits. Now, I'm I'm really wondering, is there anybody out there that has listened to all 100 or previous 99 shows? That's a good question. I am wondering if anybody else has actually listened to all 99 episodes. If so, let us know and we'll prepare a quiz to just see if you have actually done it. Uh, we do. <laughs> this is this is pretty exciting for us. And we want to thank everybody for listening. You know, we still get a lot of, uh, when I look at our downloads, we still get a lot of people downloading episode number one every week, which is great because that was really? actually a really good episode. It, yes. The f- format was a little different. We've changed a little bit over 100 shows, but talking about the history of, of jersey numbers and why some jersey numbers are favored and, and some oddities about jersey numbers, which was really interesting. And it was a good way to kick off the yeah. show. That's one of my favorite shows is uh, where we did numbers and stuff. That was fun. Yeah. And I feel like I feel like we could probably do another like partial show on Jersey numbers because there was a lot of stuff I don't think we, we covered. And it's an interesting, interesting topic. But, it, you know, if you've yeah. got nothing to do, there are 99 pre- shows previous to this. You can go back and listen to if you want to. Yep. Mark, why don't we let's get into the into the main uh, part of the show here. Let's start with a little BP. We've got some things to talk about. We've got some trivia and then we'll we'll jump into a, a subject we'll go a little bit more in depth on. Last week, I was very excited during Wax Packs Heroes for one thing, because I lost again. It's a little disheartening, yeah. but I pulled we were opening some pinnacle cards last week and I pulled that Tom Glavin card where he's on hockey skates with a hockey stick. I was very excited about yes. that. I'd been, I, I love that card. I'd never actually had it. Did a little bit of research on it. Uh, oh, yeah? So, yeah, so I know, and, and it kind of ties in with what I'm going to talk about later today, but Tom Glavin, is, as we mentioned, was a, was a very good hockey player. Uh, had uh, scholarship offers to play hockey and baseball, and actually five days after the Braves selected Tom Glavin in the second round of the 1984 draft, the NHL draft took place and the LA Kings selected him in the fourth round ahead of wow. two NHL Hockey Hall of Famers, Brett Hull and Luke wow. Robitaille. Lucky Luke. Oh my. So he was that good that, that the Kings drafted him ahead of Brett Hull, who's Bobby Hull's son. So you kind of knew he was going to be good. That's pretty impressive how good he was. And then you take, we'll talk about it later, but you know, Tom Glavin is also a great golfer. He's just, he's a great athlete. The athlete you have to be to pull all those things off. I mean, to pitch and you know, he's in the NL, so he pitches, he hits. Um, I think he feels his position. Well, then he's a hockey player and a golfer. Wow. 
Uh, what can't he do? You have a, a list or anything? No, but I do have some information we'll get to later on because he is part of what I'm going to talk about later. So uh, very interesting stuff. Tom Glavin and hockey. Pretty cool. Uh, I found a good nickname I hadn't heard of. By the way, we've, we've done a nickname. <laughs> we've actually done a couple of nickname episodes. We've We've done nicknames, and then we had D.B. Firstman on to talk about their book, which was all about odd names in baseball. I found a good nickname, though, that I had never heard of before, and it was for a player named Walt Williams. Have have you heard of Walt Williams? I have not. No, I don't know who that is. He had a pretty good career, though. He played for 10 years, mostly with the White Sox in the late 60s and early 70s. So he he was not a tall man. He was five foot six, so... Definitely not a giant. He might yes. have gained a little bit in the height department had he had any sort of a neck. He was one of those guys that just like went like shoulders and chin. That was it. So he had two <laughs> nicknames, which hopefully he found funny and took in stride. So the first one he was called No Neck. That's there's not a lot of creativity there, right? Right. <laughs> no Neck. Yeah, no neck that's Williams. great. I prefer his other nickname. Head and shoulders. <laughs> that's beautiful. <laughs> that's a great one. <laughs> that, whoever came up with that is a genius. That's yeah. fantastic. Uh, let's talk about some managers uh, quick. We've talked about Connie Mack before, of course. This is Baseball History Podcast. Connie Mack is the winningest manager in Major League history. We, we know that. Did you know, uh-huh. though, he was never ejected in his 50 years as a manager? <laughs> No kidding. 50 years. Never? never got tossed. His entire baseball career, he was only tossed once, and that was in 1895. And that happened, of course, when he was playing with the Pirates. On September 6th at the Polo Grounds, he got upset at a call at second base. Umpire Hanko Day, who I think is a Hall of Fame umpire, tossed him out of the game, and that is the only ejection in his official career. After he was tossed out of the game, though, Mac refused to leave the field. <laughs> he had to actually be removed by policemen. They had to come and drag him off the field. Wow. That's dedication. Yeah. He said he was embarrassed about the incident. He was very passionate and competitive, but he managed to never have that come up again. So I think he was, I think he was so embarrassed. He's like, I'm just not going to get tossed. Or umpires are yeah. just like... Last time he got tossed, we had to call the cops. So let's just give him a little leeway. I'm not sure. <laughs> there you go. That's funny. Uh, we've talked about Manny Ramirez and the Australian Baseball League before. We've talked quite a bit about the mm-hmm. Australian Baseball League. He was signed, of course. The Australian Baseball League's had had its struggles with COVID. One team completely not playing. That was a team that had a bunch of bunch of major leaguers that were going to play. Sydney, of course, had Manny Ramirez, who they signed, which was going to be a great big draw. But he is yet to appear because of an injury. And it's finally come to a head where they've just mutually consented to release Manny Ramirez. So he is not going to be playing in the league this year. That exciting little point that we've been making isn't going to happen. Yeah, we, I, we were. We were really excited about it. We talked about it several times. Yeah. Uh, good luck to Manny, though. It was not COVID-related. Hopefully he's doing okay. It sounds like he's going to just hang out in Australia, which could be worse things to do. Yeah. I wanted to talk about Charlie Finley again really quick. 
Oh, Charlie Finley, one of the uh, ultimate baseball characters. We've talked about many, many things to do with Charlie Finley. We've talked about the uh, the the day glow, I guess, orange baseballs that we've talked about. We've talked about him yeah. opposing the DH simply because the other owners wouldn't back his orange baseball. <laughs> yep. So another idea Charlie Finley was a fan of was three ball walks. Really? And uh, it was not met with a lot of enthusiasm from the get go. Recent owners have uh, frequently bantied the idea around as well, hoping to create more offense. In 1971, though, he convinced American League president Joe Cronin at that point to sign off on an experiment for spring training, wherein the A's and the Brewers would play an exhibition game where if you got three balls, you were given first base. Well, Finley was very right about the extra base runners. <laughs> 19 walks and six home runs in one game. So there wasn't, okay. wasn't a whole lot of positive response to that. Finley kept pushing for it. Uh, he asked for some additional spring training games to, uh, to adopt this rule, but uh, nobody would go for it. It never reached the rules commission. That did not stop him, however, when the A's played the Angels in another spring training game, and Finley just decided they were going to use this rule. Uh, Angels manager Lefty Phillips was a bit shocked when he showed up. It was informed that three ball walks were going to be in effect for that day's game. He went out, had a co quick conversation with Finley, and uh, was promptly called an effing idiot by Finley. <laughs> Finley later nice. clarified, I told him to quit acting like an effing idiot. Not, I didn't really call it that, but he packed up, oh. uh, Walsh packed up his team though, and uh, just took him away, did not play the game. All right, uh, I did ask you some trivia last week. Remember that? Oh yeah, yes I do. We actually got a lot of responses for this. A lot of correct answers, a lot of good answers, not so much in the correct category, but I, maybe people just like stolen base trivia. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> my, my question was, since 1900, who has the most career stolen bases but never led the league in swipes? Ooh, yes, I recall now. Yeah, got a lot of good answers, got uh, several of the right answers, but uh, do you have any, any kind of guess? Most likely was when whoever the player was, what, you know, there was a Maury Wills going or, or a Vince Coleman or a Ricky Henderson. So, you know, they may have stolen a ton of bases, but never gotten, you know, uh, never got anywhere uh, as far as the lead because there was one really good guy ahead of them. That said, I'm going to guess Juan Samuel. Well, that is not correct. Let's just uh, let's quickly look up Juan Samuel's uh, numbers. So Juan Samuel has 396 career stolen bases. Yes. Not a bad total. I figured it was around there. He had 72. No, he was a good base dealer. Yeah, in 1984, yeah. he had 72. That was his technically yeah, his rookie year. Yeah. And he did come in, uh, let's see, in his, uh, his uh, 1984, he came in second in rookie of the year. Mm. Had led the league with 19 triples. And uh, four of the first five years he played in the big leagues, he led the league in strikeouts. <laughs> wow. Uh, but that answer is not correct. The answer is, and you're, you're right on, it's somebody that stole a lot of bases, but just played in a time when there were people that would steal a lot more bases. The answer is Joe Morgan, Hall of Famer Joe Morgan. Oh, wow. 
689 no career stolen bases. Wow. His single season high was 67 in 1973 and 1975. Let's see, in 1968, he only appeared in 10 games. Before that, in 63 and 64, his first two years in the league, he only appeared in 18 games. And then in his final season in Oakland, he, where he appeared in 116 games, but those are the only seasons in his entire career where he was not in double digits in stolen bases. Wow. So very consistent. Even at yeah, age, so. even his final year at age 40, he stole eight bases. So that's awesome. Yeah, not bad. He came in 16th in MVP voting in 1982 at age 38 for the Giants. Wow. Not, not too bad. Joe, Joe Morgan is, um, he was an amazing ball player. He did a little bit of, or a lot of everything. Uh, he played great defense and, and many people didn't like him as a, as an announcer, but I did. Oh, right. I couldn't stand him. I thought he was awful. <laughs> I, I liked him. I liked his insights. He was a big Ricky Henderson supporter though. So again, you know, well, Joe grew up in the Bay area in Oakland, just like Ricky did. Right. So had, had good connection to him, but, uh, yeah, I couldn't couldn't stand him as an announcer, right. but a great player. And I never really got to see him play. But uh, I got a new question for you. Which player who has been elected or was elected to the Hall of Fame as a player has the highest winning percentage as a manager? Oh, wow. So we've talked about recently, I think we talked about player or uh, a person or two that's in the, the Hall of Fame, but they went in as a manager, not because of what they did as a player. I am looking right. for the Hall of Famer who went in as a player who has the best winning percentage once they took over as manager. Wow, that's a good one. I will tell you this. It is not Ryan Sandberg. Okay. He actually has the <laughs> lowest of all Hall of Famers that went in as a player and then went on to manage. Ah. Is not so Ryan it's not Sandberg. him. Got it. Yeah. You can take him off the list. There you go. Let's think, think about that. Let us know if you've got uh, an answer that one all right so let's get into the main part of our show mark i know you're uh, as we said you're under the weather not feeling so hot so we're gonna give you we're gonna give you the the week off on a story nice convalesce thank you i wanted to talk about something we've uh i, I brought it up a little bit earlier we're gonna mention something about tom glavin well we've we've been known to talk quite a bit about baseball cards on this show we've even did a complete history of baseball cards way back in episode number 12. We've talked about valuable cards. We've talked about our favorite sets. Lord knows we've opened enough packs to, to wallpaper <laughs> the Great Wall of China at this point. So we, we've done quite a bit of talking about baseball cards. But today I want to bring up one set that we have yet to ever talk about. And that's mainly because I didn't know about it until like three or four days ago. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, last week, we, we even opened a pinnacle set in Wax Packs Hero. But mm -hmm. I want to talk about, I think that was a 92 pack. I want to talk about the 1996 pinnacle set. In particular, okay. there are 16 cards in this set, a 16 card series that would stand out from the other like 29,000 different sets that were coming out at that year. But there was something about 16 cards in this set that sets them apart. So what mm. could Pinnacle possibly do to make them stand out and make us talk about them? And 
also important caveat here to get players to go along with it because <laughs> players right unless it's their first probably aren't too excited about having to go to get their picture taken for a baseball card mark right. are you familiar with the billy joel song uptown girl oh yes and you're, you're familiar with with who said uptown girl is yes i i i am aware of billy's previous marriage yeah, that's right. Sports Illustrated swimsuit model, cover girl spokesman, Billy Joel's ex-wife, the girl in the red Ferrari in National Lampoon's vacation, amongst other things. It is Christy Brinkley. Also on the list of accomplishments, she is a photographer. More than just like a hobbyist, she has talent. Mm -hmm. She's been published in several magazines. Uh, she had boxing photos uh, published. She had auto racing pictures taken and 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 published. She was, you know, was, I'm assuming she still is. You know, she's got a good eye and she's got a good talent for photography. So mm -hmm. Brinkley traveled to Florida in the spring of 1996. Atlanta and Cleveland were going to meet once in spring training in what would be a rematch of the 1995 World Series. So the plan was to go and get several players from each team and get pictures of them in anything but standard baseball card poses. So if you are, well, a human, if Christy Brinkley asks you to pose for her, you're going to say yes, especially if you're a baseball yes. player. You're probably going to go along with it. Of course. So Brinkley was a baseball fan to begin with. She already knew especially about these two teams because they'd been in the World Series. She was also provided with more information on the players so that she could get ideas of some shots that she might want to do, the kind of highlighting things that they like to do off the field. So needless to say, both clubhouses were buzzing the day of the shoot. The rematch of the World Series kind of took a back seat here. So on the front of each card, set against a backdrop of partly cloudy skies, like this she brought an actual backdrop. They're in Florida in the spring. They probably could have just used the actual sky, but regardless, <laughs> they brought a backdrop. For Atlanta, the cards were as follows. Fred McGriff, playing on the crime dog nickname, McGriff is sporting a tilted fedora and holding a baseball that looks like it's had a bite taken out of it. Kind of like take a bite <laughs> out of crime, get it? I get it, that's funny. <laughs> uh, Tom Glavin. Last week, I told you, I was excited to get that card with him playing hockey on it. We talked about it a little bit earlier. Well, in this card, Glav Daddy is on the pitcher's mound with a pitching iron. Get it? Pitching iron? I just got that. I get it. Uh, looks Matt. like he's about ready to approach the green with a baseball. <laughs> By the way, is Glav Daddy, I, I always heard that in Atlanta, but I'm not sure. Is that a well-known thing or was that just something I heard in passing? No, I, I don't think so. I've never heard it before. Well, I'm going to run with it. I'm sticking with Glav Daddy. Uh, you stick with it. <laughs> I mentioned that Glavin was it was a good golfer. He and Maddox and Smoltz, I don't know if you remember this, they were completely obsessed with golf. They still are. Of course, Smoltz is a really, really good golfer when he's not complaining about baseball. But uh, there was a practice green was actually installed in the clubhouse at Turner Field so that their the three aces could kill time with that. I don't know. <laughs> I, I thought that was, I, I remember that that was a big deal when they did it, but I don't remember how many people actually remember that. But in fact, I remember one day before a game, Smoltz, Maddox, and Glavin came out, and there was this was all sponsored, and from right behind home plate, so literally right in front of where I was, they uh, would hit golf balls at a target in center field 
you know, for <laughs> charity or something if they hit the target. Sure. That kind of stuff. All right, next, David Justice. So Brinkley was taken back by how shy and unassuming Justice was. You know, he's still young at this point, and, you know, he's right. oh, ladies always liked David Justice. The ladies liked a lot of guys on the Braves team. Chipper and Javi and Justice. I, I'm, yeah. I'm not, not afraid to admit they had a very handsome team at this point. So she posed him against a wall and had a group of people with megaphones shout compliments at him. <laughs> <laughs> it it worked it made him smile and that's that's what the card is okay next javi lopez now i don't get this one this could literally have been any card from any other set it's just javi in his catcher's gear in front of the wall that justice was standing in front of and that is it nothing no, no one's shouting at him no one's uh doing anything special it's just him in his catcher's gear so that's that's not a very original. Yeah, I'm a little disappointed. But I mean, ladies like Tavi, so maybe just take a picture of him and that's that's it. Next, Marquise Grissom. So, of course, Grissom had good speed, bit of a base dealer. So she positioned Marquise in a running position with a radar gun pointing at him. Nice. In, in which Marquise would not smile. I don't know. <laughs> he, was, he looked grumpy, <laughs> as a matter of fact. But... <laughs> Next, Ryan Klesko. This is one of my favorites. He's barefoot on a surfboard with a bat in hand. Huh. I, and I would, I would actually say that Klesko looks the most comfortable out of any of the guys in any of these shots. He's having a good time. He's a big surfer. And, you know, Christy Brinkley's telling him to do stuff. Uh, next, Jason, yeah. Jason Schmidt, which is odd to me. Why Jason Schmidt? No Mark Wollers, no Steve Avery but Jason Schmidt. Yeah, he's just posing with some little kid that's like begging for an autograph. Not much going on there. Next, Greg Maddox. I think this one works on a, on a level, but not on the level that it was meant to. He's holding a picture frame and he's just looking through the middle of it. Brinkley said it was because he's a picture perfect pitcher. I think it's better because he, he can paint the corners. That's what he's, I was thinking. He's a true artiste. But whatever, it, it, it's unique. And finally, for Atlanta, Chipper Jones. So Larry Wayne Jones here is very young. And he's pictured with his sleeves rolled up. He's got eye black on. His hat is turned around backwards. His jersey is half untucked and he's blowing a big bubble. This card was the <laughs> most popular of the set. And Chipper was legitimately worried that Bobby Cox would see him wearing his uniform like this because Bobby was a stickler for wearing jerseys in a certain way. And as a young player, you did not want to be caught not <laughs> wearing the, the jersey in the Bobby Cox approved way. Well, I'm sure he could have just said, look, Christy Brinkley dressed me up. And yeah. if Bobby, you know, being a male would have went, oh, well, never mind. Yeah, Bobby. So this is a good story, though, about Chipper. So there was talk about a further photo series with Chipper Jones that Brinkley was going to head up. So Jones said that Brinkley asked him to come to New York for a second photo shoot, but Pinnacle would only pay for one ticket. So Chipper's wife was not having any of that, <laughs> which I'm going to say was probably a good idea since we know of Chipper's proclivity to, you know, cheat and have kids with Hooters waitresses that aren't his wife. So I'm thinking that might yes. have been a good move to not let him go to New York with Christy Brinkley by himself. 
<laughs> yeah, good point. Yeah. Uh, on the back of each card was supposed to be a shot of each player with a life-size cutout of Brinkley in a swimsuit. Well, the cutout got some water damage, and uh, they were lucky enough, though, to fortunately have another life-size Christy Brinkley on hand, you know, in Brinkley herself. So she took <laughs> shots with each player. Instead, on the back of Chipper's card, for instance, they are both blowing bubbles. Uh, and on the back of the card, every, you know, they're smiling with her and, and you know, I'm sure they, they probably took some some ones for themselves as well. All right. Let's sure. go on to Cleveland's. So let's lead off with Kenny Lofton. Get it? Because he, he's leading off. I get it because he's. A, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so remember, I described Marquise Grissom's card. Well, literally, they said to Kenny, do that. <laughs> It is the exact same card, the exact same pose, only instead of a radar gun pointing at him, they have Kenny carrying a, a base under each arm like he's stealing it. Get it? He's uh, stealing the bases. Literally, though, the same pose, same background. So not a lot of, of creativity there. Next, Jim Tomei, a very young Jim Tomei, but he had already displayed that power that we know him for. So the young slugger was pictured sporting boxing gloves. Not a fan, oh, okay. but I get I get what she was going for. But Christy, I think you mm -hmm. can do you can do better. Uh, next, Manny Ramirez, like Tome, a young Manny in front of a crowd of adoring autograph seekers. In contrast to Jason Schmidt, who only had one little kid, Manny has a full audience behind him looking for an autograph. Next, Sandy yeah. Alomar Jr. Sandy, again a catcher. He's not sporting his tools of ignorance, though, but he does have his catcher's mitt. And he's he's laying down on his side like a, a boudoir uh, photo shoot is going on using his <laughs> mitt to cushion his head. I like this one. This is, nice. this is good. Uh, next, Julio Franco. I think she kind of ran out of steam on this one, kind of like Javi. Julio's just pictured from the waist up holding a bat in his batting stance. That's it. I mean, mm, you know, he's got original. Yeah, he's got that real cool batting stance. But Klesko's on a surfboard. Glavin's golfing. McGriff is impersonating a cartoon dog. And Julio is just batting. So not her, yeah. not her best work. Uh, Carlos Bayerga. Now, I will give it to Carlos here because he's a good sport. Christy knew that Bayerga was the heart and soul of the Cleveland team. So she painted a heart on his left peck. Okay, so beyond the fact that the heart is actually located in the center of your chest, this is pretty cheesy. But then again, Carlos Bayer, I got to have Christy Brinkley hand paint a heart on his spare chest. So who's the real winner here? It's still better, though, than Jose Altuve's pec tattoo that he didn't want to show everybody again. Ugh. That brings us to Albert Bell, the hardest man in baseball to get to smile since Ty Cobb. Mm -hmm. Not surprisingly, Joey was not as easy to work with as the others. Well, there's a stunner. Yeah, I know, right? The original idea was to have the number 50 painted on each of his biceps and have him flex like he did in the dugout during the ALCS when the Red Sox asked for his bat to be checked. But uh, Albert's response was, no, I don't repeat myself. <laughs> okay. So prior to the shoot, Pinnacle had actually told Brinkley that they would pay double if they got Albert Bell to smile on the card. 
So she had to think out of the box. So she had her infant son with her. His name was Jack. She picked him up and handed him to Belle and said, hey, can you just hold my baby for a second? The child happened to be wearing a hat and that hat hit Belle in the face and this made him laugh and he cracked a grin. So so Brinkley quickly took a shot and jumped in front for another one with herself and bam, she got the bonus. Achievement unlocked. There is a card with Albert Bell smiling on both sides. So congrats. Uh, I would be remiss if I did not mention the final card in this series. It is of Brinkley herself. So she's done some good work here. And then you see her card and it's her on the beach, topless, clutching a book across her chest. Literally the type of thing you would expect to see in SI, but in a baseball card series, this is so out of place. And so I I actually think it's kind of improper, you know, kids Mm -hmm. collect baseball cards. I mean, at this point, adults did too a lot, but still this is kind of out of place. Put her, put her, put her at the, uh, put her at home plate. Give her a bat. Put her on the mound with a glove and a ball. She spent literally the entire day at a ballpark with cameras with the entire park staff. The teams were all literally at her disposal, but instead they, they cope for the sexual angle of putting her on the beach topless. I was not, Hmm. I was not impressed with that. She could have done some baseball stuff topless too. So still, I'm not, no one would have stopped her. No, but I I just think they could have done a lot better than this. (laughs) The whole set was good. It was baseball. It was people having fun. And they're like, hey, let's go down to the beach and just lose the top. Uh, (laughs) So I mentioned in 96, one of these cards came in on average every 23 packs. So to complete this set, you probably had to buy quite a bit of packs. Uh, a A quick look at eBay today. These cards are actually still selling for a good amount of money. They range from about $5 on the low end to $50 for that Chipper Jones card. So, you know, say what you will, these cards have actually retained their value, which as we have discovered in Wax Facts Heroes is not something that a lot of other cards can say. This is true. Now, I had you ever heard of this set? I'd never heard of this set until just a little while ago. No, I didn't know anything about it. Plenty of other people know about it, and people are still paying for it. So if you've got them, so. maybe maybe I need to find some of these packs and, and, uh, and open them and see if we can get some of these. Yeah, really? Yeah. All right, so there. It was, it was another baseball card, uh, another baseball card discussion, which uh, was... Uh, yeah, that was fun, yeah. Pretty fun. I'll I'll put some. Uh, we'll post some of the cards on on our Twitter feed and, and Instagram, so you can see some of them if you hadn't before. Again, I had never seen them, so that was pretty interesting. But let's uh, let's move from one baseball guard discussion to another. It's time to get down to some serious business and uh, a special 100 episode version of Wax Packs Heroes. Gotta pull the wax. So, Mark, I'm pulling out the big guns today. I figured... I, I heard rumors. Yeah, I, I figured this is a seminal episode, 100 episodes in. Let's pull out some, some upper deck. 
Now, these are not, you know, 89 upper deck. These are these are 1993, but they're still upper deck. They're fun to look at. Uh, I'm not sure if we've had many packs from 93. Our, our Beckett is from 92, so we're going to definitely, again, have to go with war. But uh, this should be fun nonetheless. There's some good-looking cards. I'm really hoping I can turn it around here. I, I've been... I, I think I've lost three or four in a row, and you're really starting to open up a lead here. So let's uh, let's well, get it. You know, it's all strategy, Jeff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it is. So uh, I'm going to give you the one part of this uh, game that you can control. I'm going to let you choose between the 93 upper deck pack I have in my left hand or the one I have in my right hand. Okay, I like to switch this one up. I think I'm going to go with the right hand. All right. Right hand. So uh, right there, I'm going to, as usual, I'm going to let you go first. I like to be the home team so that I can lose, you know, while at bat. Uh, in case yeah. this is your first episode, let's uh, quickly go over the rules of Wax Packs Heroes. We're going to each open a pack. In this case, we are going to be using Baseball Reference War for the season of the pack, which is 1993. Uh, we've got a couple of extra rules. If you're wearing, uh, you're wearing, if you're sporting a mustache, you're getting an extra tenth of a point of war. If it's a Tom Selleck-like stash, you will get an extra tenth. So that's an extra two tenths of a point of war. If you're wearing real stirrups that we can see, you get an extra tenth of a point. If you're wearing two-in-ones, we're going to subtract a tenth of a point of war. If you are wearing sweatbands that have your caricature, your jersey number, or a McDonald's logo on it, we're going to give you an extra tenth of a point of war. If you are wearing high-top shoes, that is not a good look if we can still see your stirrups. We're going to minus a tenth of a point. If you are wearing glasses of any sort, that helps. Extra tenth of a point. And if you are a Hall of Famer now, you're going to get a whole entire extra point of war. So there you go. So let's dive right into this, Mark. I'm not sure the last time we opened a pack of Upper Deck on this show, but uh, let's get right into it. Yeah, it's been a while. Now, these are glossy, so they're kind of sticking to each other, and they're all in a whole bunch of random. Some are upside down, some are backwards. So let me get them all in proper order here. I'm not looking at names, but there's some good-looking pictures here. And uh, let's uh, let's see what you got. All right. Starting off here, uh, you are going to get a guy I vaguely remember with the Minnesota Twins. It is outfielder Pedro Munoz. Yeah, I remember Pedro Munoz. I didn't watch the Twins a lot at that time, but um, I do recall. He was... Uh... He was in the league for seven years, six of which were with the Twins, and then he finished up. If I say he finished up with another team for one year, you can pretty much guess it's going to be Oakland, and that is where he finished up. <laughs> uh, but in 1993, he appeared in 104 games. Uh, only hit 233, though. Not a lot of power. That will equate to actually a minus 1.9 war on the season. <laughs> so, oh, that's a good start. Not a good start. He is sporting a mustache, though, and he does have real stirrups on. So that'll help you out. That'll take away a little bit of that. You're at a minus 1.7 just right out of the gate. So I, I apologize for that. Next pitcher for <laughs> the Rangers, it is Matt Whiteside. I remember Whiteside, but just because his name was the same as one of my English teachers. 
Okay. Well, Matt Whiteside uh, pitched in the big leagues for a good amount of time. He was in the big leagues for 11 years. 93 went two and one with the Rangers, 4.32 ERA and uh, 39 strikeouts in 73 innings. So not a power pitcher. This does lead him to a war of 0.3. So at least it's a positive war. Uh, I, I'm having a hard time telling. I'm thinking those are two and ones, but I can't tell. So I can't take away anything. I'm pretty sure they are, but I'll, I'll give it to you there. So that'll give you a 0.4. So you, <laughs> you're still at minus 0.3, <laughs> but you're, you're working your way up. Fantastic. Uh, next, we've got a pitcher for the Yankees, Steve Farr. Steve Farr, I kind of remember, but I couldn't tell you a thing about him. Let's see. Steve Farr pitched in the big leagues for uh, 11 years. In 93, he was with the Yankees, went 2-2 two and two out of the bullpen, 49 innings, uh, 49 games, 47 innings, 39 strikeouts. All of this led to a .3 war. So, again, a positive. Nothing on this card that's going to get you anything else. But uh, that'll bring you up to a minus .1 war. You're getting there. Oh, my gosh. We're so close. Yeah. Now, we mentioned this guy earlier. Uh, this is a this is a, actually a pretty nice card. Uh, he is not posing with Christy Brinkley on the back, though. But it And there's no radar gun either, but it's Marquise Grissom. Oh, yes. Here he is with the Expos. Marquise, of course, is. We have discussed uh, base stealer extraordinaire. Yeah, so uh, Marquise Grissom. Let's see if I can spell his name right here. To uh, I, I can never spell his name right, which is shocking because I'm a great speller. Uh, Marquise Grissom was, of course, on that uh, 95 World Series team with the Braves in 1993. As I mentioned, he was with Montreal. Had a good year. He was an all-star that year hit 298 53 stolen bases on base of 351 not that great on base percentage but let's see what he had for 93 war wise uh, he did come in with a 5.3 wow very nice and he's got a mustache he always has always had a mustache a little uh, little thing so let's see that will bring you up to 4.3 plus I'm going to give you that 10th for a mustache. So uh, that's you're in the positive now. Very nice. 4.4. Next, we've talked about this guy before. One of my favorite stories of uh, him while he wasn't pitching at Wrigley Field, headed over to the rooftops across the street for the Cincinnati Reds. Also threw a perfect game. It's Tom Browning. <laughs> yes, Tom Browning. He, I remember... Um, I remember watching uh, the highlights of that particular perfect game. Well, let's see. In 1993, a couple of years removed, 7-7 seven and seven in 21 games. He's hurt for part of the year. Uh, that all equates to a .7 war. You're not going to get anything else from the card, but at least you're going in the right direction now. Yeah. In the On the back, on the picture, he's got some some sunglasses on, and he's listening to some headphones. So I'm sure that they appreciate that during a game. Mm -hmm. I'm tempted to give you an extra tenth of a point of war if you can tell me what this guy's uh, nickname was. Uh, Lance Johnson. The uh, the one dog. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've got that now in your in your 
memory. It was uh, it was uh, probably through the first eighty two shows you could not have come up with his <laughs> nickname. But uh, yeah, I had a the blank spot there. One dog, Lance Johnson. This guy, you know, he was on a team I didn't root for, but I always liked him. He was leadoff batter, outfielder with speed. So it's kind of my thing. 1993, he led the league in triples with 14. Between 91 and 96, he led the league in triples five out of those six seasons. Wow. Yeah, not bad. He led the league in hits two years in a row in 95 and 96. Wow. Yeah, I didn't didn't realize he was such a good hitter. This all equates to a very nice year for for uh, the one dog, a six point one war. Wow, uh, very I'll nice. Yeah, he's got the two and ones going, but he's also got a mustache, so that'll that'll wash that out. But you'll get a six point one. That'll bring you up to eleven point two. Next pitcher for the Bucks, it is Randy Tomlin, lefty. Oh, yes. Tomlin was, I believe he was a starter most of the time through a little bit of relief. Let's see. In his five years, he was a starter. You are correct most of the time. Uh, Four and eight in 1993. Started 18 games. Didn't look like he was. He was either injured or wasn't up the whole year. Uh, Probably not going to help you out a whole lot here. A point two war. He does have two and ones, though, so that'll take part of it away you'll get one tenth there to bring you up to 11.3 next we have got a guy who uh, is d gordon's father uh, was name checked in the title of a i believe it was the title of a stephen king novel and yep. his nickname is yep. flash tom yep. gordon tom gordon i always liked him uh, i like i remember him mostly as a royal yeah i liked him as a royal not as much with the red sox Right. But um, let's see. Tom Gordon, father of D. Strange Gordon, nicknamed Flash, 21 years in the big leagues. Wow. That's a lot. And he missed one whole season in 2000 with injury. But that is a lot of a lot of pitching. 1993 was his 20. He was 25 years old that season, 12 and six. Uh, he actually started a couple, uh, started 14 games and finished 18. So <laughs> should probably wow. uh, probably help you out here. In 1993, he ended up with a war of 3.6. Very nice. Nice. Um, he does have the two and ones going, but he's also got a mustache. So that will wipe those two out and give you a 3.6 in that. That'll bring you up to 14.9. Next, we get another pitcher for the Dodgers. Uh, pitcher, but here he is on the base pass. Very nice. Kevin Gross. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Kevin Gross is in, pictured on the base path? Yep. He is, uh, here he is in Wrigley Field. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's uh, leading off of second. Now, I hate to tell you this because he is wearing high tops, but he also has, sure. well, you know what? He's got a great mustache. So great. In fact, I'm going to give you two tenths. So you'll you'll get a tenth nice. of a point after the uh, subtraction for the for the high tops. Um, in '93, Kevin went 13 and 13. It's a lot of decisions in 33 games. Started 150 strikeouts in 202 innings pitched. 
Uh, all of that works out to a war of 1.4, so that'll be 1.5 with the uh, with the mustache money. Brings you up to 16.4. Next, boy, you got a lot of pitchers <laughs> here. A picture for the Cardinals, Omar Oliveras. Oh, you sure? I remember Oliveras because I kind of liked the Cardinals a little bit back then. Why? Um, I mean, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, mostly. <laughs> uh, Omar went five and three this year out of the bullpen. Now, like he started nine games, he appeared in fifty-eight. Uh, so let's see what that's going to get you. War-wise, it's going to get you a point five. He is wearing uh, two and ones though, but he's got a mustache. He's got that goatee as everybody did. So that's a, a wipe out there. So that'll get you a point five. War. Interesting picture because he is batting just like Kevin Gross was running the bases. Here he is. He's batting and uh, he has lost the bat. It is completely out of his hands and it looks like he threw it and fouled the ball off because the ball is still there as well. And uh, <laughs> the picture on the back of the card, he is also batting at uh, Wrigley Field. So hmm. kind of strange pictures to go with. All right. Next. Oh, it's apropos. You got this. It's your buddy catcher for the minnesota twins that's all i'm gonna tell you mr brian harper there you go nice brian harper yep nice yeah brian's a great guy brian harper now i can guarantee you he's wearing real stirrups but i can't see it because he's got his uh, shin guards on Mm-hmm. Uh, i'd be willing to bet he's got a mustache too but I can't tell he because his, his mask is still on, too. It looks like he is either throwing down to first base, like maybe a swinging third strike that he dropped or got away. Or I'm going to say that because there's no batter here and he's right at home plate. So it's a good action shot. Uh, nice. You're not going to get any extra extra points for it, though. 93, he was 33 years old, but he still appeared in 147 games. For the wow. for the twins, he hit three oh four. Very hmm. nice, good year. Uh, let's see, that all equates to a two point four WAR. I'll take it. Yeah, that's very nice. It's a good looking card. These are these are shockingly enough really good looking cards. Wow, I hate it when you do this. Uh, you got a Hall of Famer. Uh huh. Now it's not Ricky. Usually you get Ricky. It's for you yes. the best case scenario when it comes to a hall of famer so so you hit a nolan ryan it's the express very nice uh it's a good looking card it's a horizontal card too uh it's just from the oh, waist nice. up though so you're not going to get extra real stirrup points on the back you can see he's wearing real stirrups he's in the bullpen at oakland on the back but we're only looking at the front so we're going to just be solely going based on what Nolan Ryan did in the 93 season. Plus, you start out with a whole extra point of war because he's a Hall of Famer. Now, 93, of course, was his final season. And it wasn't going great. So this might not be a boon for you. Uh, let's see. The final war total in uh, that season was a minus point six. You're going to get a plus four on that for being a Hall of Famer. But you got a Nolan Ryan card. So that will uh, bring you to 19.7. Couple of cards okay. left here. You got a special card. Wow. You got a special card. This could, this could literally just end it right here. 
This is a special card entitled Brew Crew. Now, beyond wearing the awesome Brewers pinstripe jerseys with the glove logo on the hat, it's just three yeah. guys hanging out in front of the dugout. It's Paul Molitor. <laughs> it's Pat Listash and Robin Yount. So, okay. Two Hall of Famers. Two good ball players. Yeah. Yes. Plus, you know, Robin Yount's got a mustache going on there. Now, yep. I think we've got to look up all three of their wars for this year. <laughs> oh, well, okay. You know, whatever works. All right. So, Paul Molitor, I think you're going to just score big on this. We're going to go through this quickly. 1993, Paul Molitor came in with a 5.6 war, plus he's a Hall of Fame. So, that's 6.6. Let's go to Robin Robin Yount next. Robin Yount in 1993. Uh, this was his final year in the big leagues. Still had a 2.1. So that's 3.1 plus another one for the mustache. That's a 3.2. Boy, you're killing it here. And then Pat wow. Listache. Uh, let's see, Pat Listash, when he's not getting run over by uh, Albert Bell. And uh, didn't Pat Listash manage the Mariners AAA club last year? I think he did. I think you're right. I think he did. 1993, a 1.6 war. Okay. So uh, that will bring you up to 31.1 war. Wow. And in the last two cards, you've gotten three Hall of Famers. And on your next card, you've got another Hall of Famer. It's Dave oh Winfield. Jeez. Jeez. You're putting together a team here. Yeah. So Winnie in uh, 1993, he is with the Blue Jays. Uh, actually, he was with the Twins this year, but he's pictured with the Blue Jays here. He's kneeling in BP at, at Oakland at the old Oakland Coliseum with the grass out, out in center field. Oh, boy. What a good looking card that is uh when he only came in with a 0.2 war this year but he's got a mustache he's got real stirrups and he's a hall of famer so you get an nice, extra yeah. 1.3 so that equates to a 1.5 and your final card of the set is a star rookie but uh, it is jim tatum unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> the star rookie uh jim tatum sure no clue who that is yeah, so he was with the Brewers when he came up. 93, he was actually on the Rockies. And uh, not a great year. So 93 minus 0.8 war. And nothing on the card Thanks that's going to help you. I think, though, that this might be our highest score ever. A 31.8. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 31.8. Uh, yeah, that's a high score. That's going to be a tough one to beat. All right, let's jump right into it here into my pack. And uh, let me get all these straight and uh, see if I can even come close. I mean, just the Hall of Fame value of your your pack was great. Nolan Ryan, Robin Yount, Paul Molitor, Dave Winfield. Yeah, that's not bad. going to be tough, yeah. All right, here we go. Starting out, I'm starting out with a Pittsburgh Pirate. It is Al Newman. What, me worry? What, me worry? There we go. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even plan that. No. Now, I'm wondering, some of our younger listeners might not get that reference, but that is in reference to Al 
Uh, Al, well, I guess Al, Al pretty Newman. Yeah, we're thinking, shouldn't we have said that, though, with Al Newman, the, the twin, not Al Martin? I think maybe we got to yes. find ourselves there. <laughs> I thought you said Newton. I might have. I meant Al Martin. This is Al Martin with the box. <laughs> oh, okay. take me to court on that one. Uh, okay, a good year here for, uh, for Al Martin. 1.1 war. Uh, he is wearing high tops, though, so I can't see his stirrups. So that's a minus one. So that's just a straight up one to start out with. But at least I I'm ahead of your pace. I'll put it that way. That's true. Uh, next a pitcher for the Phillies. It is Ben Rivera. I don't remember, I remember Mr. Getting Rivera. His card, but I don't remember much about him. Uh, well, Ben Rivera only was in the big leagues for a couple of years. 93. He went 13 and 9, but with an ERA wow. north of 5. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's see. In uh, 93, that equates to a minus 0.1 war. So thanks a lot. He does yeah. have real stirrups on, though, so that'll wipe that out. So really a nothing card. Next pitcher for the Red Sox, John Dobson. I remember John I have no Dobson. memory of him. I don't know why I do, but uh, he pitched for quite a while. <laughs> Eight years in the huh. big leagues. Uh, went 7-11, two years in a row for Boston in 92 and 93. ERA just south of five this time. But let's see. That mm. equates to a war of .7, so I'll take that. Uh, let's see. It's a positive more. Yeah, those are two and one stirrups though, so that's only going to get me a point six. But again, I'm I'm ahead of your pace at this point, and I've got a Hall of Famer. Very nice. I have got uh, a good Hall of Famer. I'm just going to say it, <laughs> and I'm going to get points because okay. he's got his jersey number on his uh, on his wristbands. He has got a mustache, but unfortunately. He's wearing high tops. It is none other than Ken Griffey Jr. You heard I've of him? I've heard of that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's... Yeah, being a Mariners fan, I've heard him mentioned. I think the last time we opened Upper Deck might have been when Ben from the Diamonds and Roses podcast was on. And remember, we got that Griffey card of him swinging that had like three exposures. Good card. Yes. Uh, so, so far... Yeah, it was cool. We seem to pull a lot of Griffies when we do upper deck. 93, he came in fifth in MVP balloting, was an all-star, silver slugger, gold glove winner, led the league in total bases with 359, hit 309, on base of 408. I like where this is headed. Slugging of 617 and an OPS plus of 171, the highest of his entire career. Mm, great. Yeah, 45 home runs, stole 17 bases. I like where the... I might beat you just with this card. I don't know. Let's see. Okay. <laughs> now, a war of 8.8. .8. I was expecting higher. Maybe not a whole lot higher. That's a lot of war for one season. 8.8 .8 is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, let's see. We'll just, we're going to type in 8.8. .8. Uh, he's going to get a plus one for being a Hall of Famer. And uh, let's see, mustache and wristbands will get me a point one because we minus one for the high tops. 
So in right. all, that will bring me up to 11.5. I'll take it. You're sneaking up on me. Yeah. All right. So next we've got Franklin Stubbs. Franklin Ticket Stubbs. I remember him mainly from the Dodgers. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, actually, I, I remember uh, Stubbs as he was a Dodger, but I don't. I don't know if he went to anybody. I don't remember with anybody else. So he was on Houston in 90, and then the Brewers in 91 and 92. And uh, then he didn't play, actually, in 93 or 94, which isn't going to help me a whole lot, and then came back for a final year with the Tigers in 95. So since he didn't play this year, I'm not going to get any war from him. But uh, he's got a mustache. Uh, he's got two and ones. So that wipes out. But he is sporting on both of his wrists sweatbands with caricatures of himself. So I'm going to oh, get nice. a 0.2 out of that for two wristbands. Nice. Thank you, Franklin. Uh, next, I like this. Martinez, California native. Martinez is about 15 minutes away from where I currently reside. It is uh, okay. Willie McGee. Oh man, you gotta love, you gotta love Willie McGee. You do. Just the guy could hit. Yeah. So Willie McGee, here he is with the Giants. So of course, you know, we talked about in 1990, he was traded to the A's, finished yes. off the season with the A's, still won the batting title in the National League, and then he was on the Giants for four years, his hometown team. Actually, the A's are technically his hometown team, a lot closer. But in '93 with the Giants, he hit 301. I'll take that. Uh, didn't steal a lot of bases, only 10 stolen bases. But in 93, that equates to a 2.1 war. Willie, of course, always had a mustache, and I can't see his stirrups. So that will get me a plus 2.2. I'll take it. Next, we have got one of the nasty boys. It is Randall Myers. Here he is, though, with the Padres. Myers with the... Now... I'm trying to recall. He got placed on waivers, and then somebody grabbed him. And whoever was trading him at the time just let him go because he had a huge contract. I just remember. Oh, man, I wish I could remember more about it. He was, uh, let's see, he was released. Or let's see, he signed with the Cubs, signed with the Orioles, signed with the Blue Jays as free agents. Overall, mm. first round pick by the Mets in 82. Let's see, in uh, 1993, however, he actually was with the Cubs this year, even though he's pictured with the Padres, and he ended up with a war of 1.3. Uh, he's got a wispy mustache. I'll give, you, I'll give it to you. So that's a one point uh, to me, actually. So that's a 1.4. Let's see, next we have got a, oh, we've got a nice, this is a, uh, Third baseman, Gary Sheffield. This is an interesting card. It's a horizontal card, and it's him diving to his right, and uh, it's got a couple of exposures, kind of like that Griffey card that I mentioned. Oh, nice. So that's kind of nice. This uh, might, be a, might be a help to me. Gary Sheffield always had good offensive I, numbers. I believe he came up with a shortstop, didn't he? Uh, you are correct. He came up as a shortstop, then he got moved to third base, and then yeah. in 94, with the Marlins, he moved to the outfield, and then he played there right. and DH'd when he was in the American League. But 93, he was traded, actually, midway through the season to the Marlins in that big 
big deal that we'll talk about here in a minute. He ended up hitting a 294 combined, 20 home runs, uh, 120 OPS plus. That equates to, in 93, a war of uh, minus 0.2. <laughs> I don't know how that is, but uh, minus 0.2 war. Um <laughs> Now he's got high tops, so that's a minus, and I can't see his mustache. So that is a minus 0.3 for me. Thanks, Chef. Uh, I did mention, though, that trade in 93. He went to the Padres, or he's traded by the Padres with Rich Rodriguez to the Marlins, and that is how the Padres acquired Trevor Hoffman, Hall Uh of Famer. Yeah. And then Hoffman if, did pretty well for them. Yeah, yeah, I think he did okay. And then, of course, Sheffield <laughs> was traded in that uh, the Marlins-Dodgers trade where uh, he and Bonilla and Charles Johnson went um, to the Dodgers for Piazza and Todd Zeal. So, Oh, yeah. Uh, not a big help, though, for me uh, in the war department. Next, we've got lefty for the Giants, Trevor Wilson. No recollection. Uh, I don't remember the name. Uh, I don't remember a whole lot about him. He pitched for 11-ish, uh, eight years. Oh, he was injured a lot in the end of his career. In 93, though, he went 7-5 and five with the Giants, and that equates to a war of 1.4. Nothing else I'm going to get from that card, but I'll take it. I'm still, I'm not even halfway to your total, so I got a lot of work with just a couple of cards left. Here, uh, infielder, it is listed as for the Tigers, yet the picture is of him playing center field, catching something right in front of the wall at Old Tiger Stadium. It's Tony Phillips. Tony Phillips, man. Now, aren't you a Tony Phillips fan? How can you not be? Yeah, he, of course, was on the A's uh, during the World Series. Yep. He was uh, somebody that Ricky Henderson let stay and live with him when uh, Phillips was a rookie. I know that much. Boy, a utility knife. He could play anywhere, which was oh, uh, yeah. really cool. Uh, 93, he led the league in walks with 134. Wow, on no base kidding. percentage of 443. That's pretty That's good. That's crazy. Yeah, wow. OPS of 130 that year. Wow. And Tony Phillips was never an all-star. That's weird. Would have thought he would have made it as kind of like a replacement or something at some point. Something. Um, 5.6 yeah. war, though, for this year. Very nice. Wow. Uh, he's also got a mustache. He has got real strips, and he's wearing flip-down sunglasses. So that's Jeez. an extra point three. So that'll give me an extra 5.9. I will take it. Wow. That bumps me up to 23.2. Or 22.3. So I am within nine war with a couple of cards left. This is going to be close. You need, uh, you need Yunt, Molitor, and, and Listach. Yeah, yeah, I definitely do. All right, next, Mark Lemke, second baseman for the, uh, for the, uh, the Braves. Braves. Yeah, now this is interesting. Uh, let's get to the front and, and his war first before we look at the back. <laughs> the Lemmer. Let's see, Mark Lemke in uh, 1993. I think we've talked about this before. Mark Lemke, 11 years in the big leagues. He appeared in 1,069 games, never hit by a pitch. Yes, that's right. That is just incredible. Uh, 252 batting average, uh, 82 OPS plus. 
It's pretty much what you expect of Lemke. He's not a not great with the bat. Uh, war still a 2.1. And there you're going to get the, the defense. Uh, he's wearing yep. real stirrups and he's got flip down sunglasses. I love it. That'll give me a 2.3 and bring me up to 24.6. Now, on the back of the card, he is joking around with Raphael Belliard. And do you remember when Mark Lemke wore glasses? I don't. Oh, and actually, Glemke's got flip downs. Did I mention that? Yeah, I think I must have. I think you did. Yeah. Um, well, he is wearing some huge goggles on the back. Like, they. I thought they were even like those safety goggles you used to have to wear, wear in shop <laughs> class. Like, they're just huge. <laughs> but uh, that's a funny looking card. But all right. Next, it is. Uh, well, we mentioned Willie McGee earlier. This guy was traded by the A's to the Cardinals for Willie McGee. It is outfielder Felix Jose. And old buddy of mine, Felix, Felix had so much potential and he had a lot of pop, you know, it's just one of those things that, you know, he, he did spend some time in the big leagues, but he never became a star. Yeah, he had a good year in 92 with the Cardinals hit 295, 14 home runs, uh, 123 yeah, OPS plus this year in 93 though, he went to the Royals and uh, really did not have a good year. Uh, let's see, in uh, 93, that equates to a war of minus 0. 0.6. Uh, he is, Boy. yeah, not cool. And he's wearing high tops, so that's a minus 0. 0.7. I was Ouch, catching up, you... and then that one really hurt. But uh, here comes kind of my version of your your Brewers card. This one is entitled Iron and Steel. Steel is S-T-E-A-L. It is Cal Ripken and Brady Anderson. Oh, nice. So we'll get to see both of these guys. Uh, I'm not going to get anything extra from the cards, uh, from the card. There's nothing that's going to get me anything there other than the obviously point one for being a Hall of Famer for Cal Ripken. So let's see here. Let's hope that they both had some big years in 93. Cal led the league in at-bats that year. All-Star, Silver Slugger, 257, and 97 OPS+. plus. Cal was just making All-Star games because he was Cal Ripken a lot of the time. <laughs> Might not have been the greatest years, but 3.7, I'll take it. So that's a 4.7 with the Hall of Fame bonus. That will bring me up to 28.6. And let's see if Brady Anderson was, was on the juice this year or not. <laughs> Yes. Uh, 2000 or 1993. Uh, let's see. He was definitely on the juice the year before. This year, 263 with 13 home runs. That is good for a 108 OPS plus and uh, stolen bases. Wow, he had 53 in 92, uh, 24 in 1993, and all of this equates to a 2.8 WAR. Hmm. You know, it's too bad you don't get any bonuses for cool sideburns. Yeah. <laughs> but now, your final total was 31.8. I am at 31.4. And I oh. have two cards left. Uh oh. Yeah. So first, I'm, gonna, I'm excited because this is a community hero. And it is my favorite pitcher of all time. You got your favorite pitcher of all time. I got my favorite pitcher of all time with Dave Stewart. Yes, uh living legend so i'm not going to get anything well i'll get a i'll get a mustache bonus here from the from the card itself 
1993, uh, Stu spent it with the Blue Jays, his first year in Toronto. Pretty good year, 12 and 8. Um, not a lot of strikeouts, but didn't need it in 1993. That equates to a war of 0.9. So uh, it gets me an even 1.0 with the mustache. And that will put me in the lead. <laughs> we got a, I got to hope for a negative war here. Yeah. Uh, let's see. 19, what did I say? This 1993. That uh, was the year. He also won a World Series that year with the Blue Jays. So very nice. So my final card, you've got to hope, which could happen because I likewise have a star rookie card of somebody that I do not know who they are. <laughs> It is star rookie shortstop for the Texas Rangers, Chris Cologne. No clue who that is. Yeah, uh, Upper Deck didn't do a great job of picking out, picking out like good rookies. The best rookie. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Chris Cologne did not minus twelve. Well, no, he didn't play. He appeared in 1992 in 14 games, and that was it for his entire career in the big leagues. So, looking at this, he does have two and one stirrups. So, I'm going to minus a tenth of a point, but that is all there is. And, ladies and gentlemen, I have finally won a Wax Pack Heroes. After, after my highest score of all time, you had to come in and ruin it like that? Yeah. Come on, man. 32.3. I'll take it. And uh, that'll give me my seventh win against 11 wins for you. I will take it. What was the final score? Uh, I had 32.3, and you had 31.8. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, so just five-tenths of a point of war separated oh. us. All right. Well, that was ex that was an exciting and a good pack. Some good cards for both of us. That was Yeah, that yeah, was that good. was all right. All right. Good 100th so, anniversary. Yeah, very, very nice. All right, so that'll do it for Wax Packs Heroes here on this special 100th episode of the podcast let's start to wrap it up as we do every show thank you very much for listening we really appreciate everybody you know we'd probably be on episode 100 even if nobody listened we just enjoy doing this but uh, we really do like to talk about baseball and we appreciate everybody that listens that subscribes that reviews us that tells other people about the show Mark, I was, I was a little taken aback last show when I told everybody that they should share the show with their lover if they, if they could. You were a little taken aback. <laughs> I have gotten a, uh, an e a direct message from the state of Virginia because Virginia is for lovers. They've asked that I refrain from stealing their catchphrase. But nonetheless, <laughs> if you want to tell people about our show or where they can find us, we are on uh, social media. We are at Two Strike Noise. That is at TWO Strike Noise on both Twitter and Instagram. We're also on YouTube. We've got some uh, unique videos up there that we've been making. Mark, they can also get a hold of us the old-fashioned way via email, right? Yes. The electronic mail address is Two Strike Noise. That's TWO Strike Noise at gmail.com. All right, and before we go, I want to I want to mention something that we've got coming up, Mark. We have got a special two-part episode, and yes. uh, this is the crossover event that you didn't know you needed, but you're going to really enjoy it. What we have done is uh, we've teamed up with our uh, friends over at the Baseball Beyond Batting Average podcast, and they're stat guys, we're story guys, we like to talk about history. So what we've done with them is we've teamed up 
And uh, we are going to review the 1990 season. And, you know, they like to dig into stats. We like to find stories. So we kind of split this up into two different podcasts where the first part of this podcast where we review with them the 1990 season, you can hear on their podcast. And we'll obviously be pointing you in that direction. We'll, we'll post it on our social media. You can go and listen to us with them on their show talking about the National League in 1992 and they've got a game it's not wax packs heroes but it's a stat related game that they play that we got to play with them and then our next show show 101 is going to be them guesting on our show and we're going to look at the american league from 1990 so it's really fun they are really smart guys they come up with some really great stats their show's a lot of fun i'm glad we finally got something to do with them and uh, it's so big that one podcast could not contain it it's a it's a crossover between both of us and uh, we'll make sure to, uh, we show you how to get to that as well when uh, that is ready to go but beyond that that will be our next show next week we'll have some guests on to talk about the year 1990 and the american league so mark i already know you're going to be back for that i'm not even going to ask anymore 100 shows oh, yeah. I, I know where you're going to be but that's right that's right all right ladies and gentlemen thank you very much uh again we will see you again next week we appreciate you listening to us and that's going to do it for show number 100 of two strike noise Thank you, God bless you, and have a great day.